0: Hello and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Marus owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Buy now, pay later solutions have grown in prominence as new players and payment incumbents are battling for market share. This includes firms like Affirm, Afterplay, Klarna, Quadpay, Sezzle, Splitit, as well as legacy payment firms like Mastercard, Visa, PayPal, and Amex. The question is, whether these providers will significantly impact the traditional point-of-sale card volume or could damage the appeal of retail's private label cards. There's also the question around who will win the battle for the younger consumer who is drawn to this payment option. We're fortunate today to have Adam Hughes on the show. Adam is President and CEO of Amount that offers a robust point-of-sale financial product suite for banks and credit unions. Adam discusses the growth of the buy now, pay later marketplace, as well as how traditional finance institutions can remain competitive in this space. So welcome to the show, Adam, I'm, I'm glad we could have you on the show. Be, before we start, could you provide our listeners a short background around who you are and a bit about Amount?
1: Thanks, Jim. Really excited to be here. So for your listeners, uh, Adam Hughes, CEO of Amount. My background, uh, I think is pretty unique and weeds and into our story at Amount, but I was employee one at a company called Avant, and there were three co-founders of Avant. They brought me on day two to be the COO. And at Avant, our our strategy was to provide better credit products to what we call the near-prime customer. That's a customer with a 650 FICO score and had really been left behind by the banks, and they were settling for subprime and -and brick-and-mortar experiences. Um, And our view at Avant was they really shouldn't have to, and using you know, best-in-class technology and data methodologies, our goal is to provide them a much better digital experience when applying for banking products and ultimately much more affordable prices because we didn't have a big branch network. We could drive a lot of that you know cost savings back to the consumer in the form of their APR. Over seven years at Avant, uh, starting as a COO and then I was the president for four years, grew that business to over a million customers, uh, issued via the Avant platform over $7 billion of credit originated on the platform 90 percent of which we actually balance sheeted ourselves and so during that time really became experts on things like digital customer experience fraud prevention account management Um, and so in 2016 we actually recognized that many banks don't have those capabilities especially in a digital fashion and so started a side business which we called powered by avant we started partnering with banks on a white label basis to power various aspects of their digital strategy. And so did exciting partnerships with banks like Regions Bank and, and Banco Popular, but really uh, shortly thereafter with big partnerships with HSBC and TD Bank and a bunch of others, we recognized that there was a, a big standalone business here. And so the next couple of years made, you know, what we think is a the healthy steps to actually spin out the technology and actually effectuate that spin out January one of last year. And so Jan one of last year, Rebranded Power by Avant to Amount. Separate the employee bases. Avant became a customer on the Amount platform, very similar to our other bank partners. So Avant goes to Amount now for their tech and data needs, and we were off and running. And I came over from being president of Avant to being the CEO of Amount. And Q1 2020 started off as a big growth year for us, with all of our bank partners looking to go big in a digital fashion. The pandemic hit in March, and there was lots of questions, as I'm sure all your listeners are are very aware and we're still dealing with. But those questions for amount at least quickly turned into business opportunities. Every single bank CEO very quickly was dramatically increasing priorities around things like how do they digitize their branch experience because their branches were closed? How do they prevent digital fraud? And how do they provide buy now, pay later tools and products to their key merchant partnerships to keep those relationships? And amount is uniquely positioned because we can solve all three of those challenges in a fraction of time than a bank typically can do it themselves. And so what started as a lot of questions when the pandemic hit, you know, our sales pipeline increased dramatically. And we just saw a lot of opportunity, both with direct business bank partnerships, as well as a lot of indirect channel partnerships as well. And so as part of that, Raised both our Series B in in March, where we raised $58 million led by QED investors. And then Goldman Sachs actually preempted our Series C in the fourth quarter. And so raised another $86 million in that round. So overall, 2020, challenging year, but we raised over $140 million of equity capital. We won a bunch of bank partnerships. And so 2021 for us is shaping up to be a big growth year as, as we power and support our bank's digital strategies.
0: You know, let's focus on buy now, pay later initially. What is the appeal of this form of credit and how did the pandemic actually provide such a significant impact for growth?
1: Well, I think it's all drives from the consumer, right? So the consumers really like these buy now, pay later, point of sale financing products that allow them to have much more transparent payment schedules. A product that a, a customer can come in, especially a younger customer, like a millennial or a Gen Z consumer, where they can pay the exact same amount each month over a prescribed timescale, whether it's three months, four months, six months, 12 months, whatever, often at a lower APR than they're gonna receive on a credit card has become really attractive. And because consumers like that product so much, merchants are now you know, wanting that to be on their platform to drive conversion, as well as uptick in, in cart sizes. And thus, now banks are looking to provide that to their merchant partners to keep them. And so it's all kind of related, but it's really driven by consumers really liking this product and the transparency and the structure of it versus the more traditional revolving product that credit cards offer.
0: You mentioned that the users really like to avoid the credit card fees, the higher rates of interest and and to make purchases that may require extended payments over time. But one of the other drawing points, as you referred to earlier, is that some consumers suck this option because they can't necessarily pass through a traditional credit check. Is this an opportunity or a threat for in the banking industry overall where we're offering? you mentioned earlier, uh, lower credit line people, opportunities to get credit in this kind of way.
1: The credit card space is obviously massive, right? You're talking about a trillion dollar market. And so credit card is still the the highly dominant form of financing product out there. It's used by every single segment today in terms of consumers. But there's no denying the rise in, in other buy now, pay later tools, especially with some of the younger demographics. And So I think credit card companies and banks have woken up to that reality and to provide those financing tools to those customer segments, as well as, again, give those products to their merchant partners to keep those relationships. I think you're going to see every single credit card bank here, you know, if they haven't already within the next year, not only have the private label credit card relationships, but also stand up. Those buy now pay later products, and whether they build themselves or they stand up via partnership with like an amount, you know, that's going to be a decision that they'll need to make. But it's become very important with the rise in that particular product that you know credit card companies stand up that form of product to be competitive in the marketplace.
0: So companies like Chase and Amex and some others have really offered like a buy now pay later type of. Product, but it's in a post-purchase environment. So once a consumer makes a purchase, they allow it to divide up into payments and handle it in a different way. So you're seeing actually financial institution getting into the marketplace almost like a traditional, traditional being a short-term phrase, but a traditional buy now, pay later arrangement where you're actually engaging the consumer before they make the purchase.
1: I think there's a couple different flavors here. You know, the product that we're seeing the most success with. And the one that I think consumers are viewing as as the most transparent is that pre-checkout product and a product that a consumer can know, again, exactly what their monthly payment is going to be and how long those payments extend. That level of clarity is just so much easier for the standard consumer to understand versus when you think about compounding interest on a a credit card payment if you don't make that full monthly payment. And so for our banking partners that are looking to send it up for their key merchant partners, it's typically on the checkout page for that merchant partner, offering them that pay over time, buy now, pay later product over three, six or 12 months at that same monthly payment that's receiving the most traction for our banks and for their consumers.
0: Not surprisingly, the buy now, pay later option appeals to the younger consumer who's often targeted by solution providers. In fact, I think 50% of the 25 to 44 marketplace uses this service. Is the demographic profile expanding as more merchants, and competitors enter the marketplace? For sure.
1: I mean, I miss being a millennial by one year. I'm turning 40 this year and I personally love the product as well. When I bought a Peloton, I had the opportunity to take a, a 0% APR buy now, pay later product. From a firm, and, and to me, that's that's a no-brainer, right? Versus putting it on my my credit card. And so, the the product is relatively new, but as more and more merchants stand up those type of products, whether or not from a fintech or whether or not it's a bank powered by Amount, there's going to be more exposure to these other demographics. And my expectation is that it's going to take off in these other segments as well.
0: So, is this shift in demographics more a function of more partnering with merchants who appeal to a broader audience, such as Palatine you brought up?
1: For sure. You know, as there's more exposure and, you know, more of mainstream merchants are standing this up and, you know, e- e-commerce certainly has exploded as as a result of, of COVID. More people are buying things online than ever before. More and more customers are are gonna have the opportunity to choose one of these buy now pay later financing products when buying things online. And you know, I, I would expect the satisfaction rates are gonna be continue to be extremely high for those other older demographics as they are with the younger demographics today.
0: So one of the drawbacks as mentioned by the traditional financial service industry is that the buy now pay later solution is used relatively sparingly compared to other payment options with about 30% of the users i believe are using it once or less times a year so it becomes an event driven option obviously traditional credit cards are also primary competitor for no other reason than old habits die hard how big do you think this buy now pay later marketplace can become
1: i think it could be massive i think we're really in the early days here but if you look at the growth in the last couple of years, it's, it's exponential, and and so I think it can be a big part of the way you know everyday people around the globe think about the right way to purchase things online as well as in store. But you know, there's there's been massive traction out of the gate the last couple of years, and obviously you're seeing. That excitement with with a firm's recent IPO and and some private rounds with some other major players and, you know, amounts garnering a lot of interest because we offer this product and we empower the banks. But the combination of investor interest and consumer sentiment and because of that, you know, merchants are demanding it from their bank partners. I think you're going to see this product continue um, the pace of growth that it's currently on.
0: What do you think the, the threat is of the buy now, pay later solutions? What threat do they have to traditional payment providers, including card networks, merchants, and and most importantly, traditional financial institutions?
1: Well, I think there's going to be some natural cannibalization of the, the private label general purpose credit card space. But as part of that, I think, again, you're going to see a bunch of these credit card banks uh, stand up these buy now, pay later tools. And so... You know, it's just going to be another product that they're going to be offering their their merchants, again, to stay really, really relevant and competitive in in the marketplace. So I think there's going to be some some natural cannibalization into the credit card space, but very quickly, especially for prime customers, you're going to see banks react by standing up these competitive products.
0: Let's take a short break and recognize our sponsors. Is your organization trying to embrace digital banking transformation in 2021? Are you trying to elevate the customer experience? Figure out what technology you want to implement to improve the customer journey. Look at data analytics to really better understand and personalize the customer experience. And are you trying to make it so more of your employees can buy into and be part of your digital banking transformation? If this sounds like you, I ask you to reimagine banking with our newest podcast sponsor, Microsoft. They give you the opportunity to unlock new opportunities at speed throughout innovative business models, deliver differentiated customer experiences across channels, products, and services, and redefine new ways of banking. Microsoft and its partner ecosystem help banks to achieve differentiation through sustainable growth, streamlining core systems, reducing cost and risk, and delighting customers and employees. If you're in the midst of a journey trying to figure out what to do next, maybe trying to find out what other organizations are doing to lift up their experience level, I really encourage you to look at Microsoft. For more information, visit Microsoft.com slash financial services. Welcome back to Banking Forum. So today I'm joined by Adam Hughes, CEO of Amount, that provides traditional financial services institutions a way to compete with buy-now, pay-later providers, as well as other payment options where financial institutions can really use alternative financial solutions to meet the needs of the consumer. Adam has shared his perspective on buy-now, pay-later market and will now discuss a bit about the ways traditional banks can compete. So Adam, although card networks, issuers, and retailers face serious threats from Buy Now, Pay Later, they're also in a prime position to integrate Buy Now, Pay Later solutions into their business to benefit from the growing industry, especially considering their established relationship with merchants. So how did traditional financial institutions compete with this surge in credit use through third-party players, and what options are available?
1: Starting with with kind of your first point there, our thesis at I guess avant and amount was that always banks should be the dominant player, especially in the prime space. And and that's because banks have obviously a, a massive balance sheet advantage where they can uh, really have staying power through any kind of volatility that may be happening in the market. Two, they have already established brands and, and key merchant relationships. And three, just a massive cost to capital advantage. And so When they're talking about offering financial products to a prime customer, they're typically going to have a significant pricing and APR advantage, which ultimately is going to be really attractive to the merchant because it's going to drive more conversion for those prime customers. The issue has been is that many banks have a bit of outdated technology, and I'm putting that a little bit Lightly. And that's typically because there's multiple core providers in their architecture. There's often been multiple acquisitions. And so all this technology is kind of cobbled together. The way that those various systems within one bank interact with each other, the way to get data insights, it's a bit messy. And so it takes them a long time to execute on, on what should be you know pretty simple projects and, and opportunities. And that's where Amount is getting a ton of traction, because we're typically executing on full end-to-end digital projects for a bank in a matter of months when, you know, in our conversations with banks, when they're, they still have a predisposition to do things themselves, but it's typically shaking out well over a year for a similar project. And so when they're weighing the, the speed to market advantages of partnering with an amount, as well as the affordability play of, um, you know, we're typically a fraction of the cost of what it's going to take for them to build it internally. And we bring a ton of expertise in terms of what's best in class, as well as all of our background around the right way to prospect and underwrite and prevent fraud uh, as they grow the portfolio, the amount offering becomes really attractive. So I think it's been a really healthy marriage that our approach has been, let's empower these banks to win the prime space, provide the the best, most affordable digital products to their their target customer. And, and we're doing it in a fraction of time for a much more affordable price. And that's really where we've seen traction out of the gate here with these big, big 50 billion plus asset sized banks as they you know accelerate this prioritization around digital.
0: It's interesting because we, we've talked about this on a number of shows where I really believe wholeheartedly that financial institutions have to partner With solution providers to provide them the ability to not only innovate but to drive forward quickly because speed is the essence you will not be able to catch up trying to build all this internally and oh by the way the biggest banks in the country aren't building these things internally they're using partners and and the importance is to build these partnerships that can allow you the use of data and as you said data that is not always in the best shape and then deploy that into solutions and and the importance of being able to make the data work for you and for the consumer out there is is all that important. So when you're engaging with a financial institution, does it matter what size? Is your solution or a solution like yours only for the big guys or can it be scaled downward?
1: I mean, we, we think we have great solutions and products for a bank of any size. We've had a ton of traction with the, the larger banks, the tier one banks, the 50 billion plus asset size and above. But we also have more off the shelf and affordable products for some of the smaller banks too with, with maybe less of a budget to to spend on digitization. We also think, you know, while we've really focused on direct partnerships with larger banks, we think indirect partnerships with core banking platforms to access some of these smaller and mid-sized banks is really interesting as well. And there's some um, uh, economies of scale there to be gained on success and support side there for us too. So so bottom line is You know, we have the right tools and products for a bank of any size, you know, and when I talk to, and I talk to bank CEOs every day, all day, you know, they're typically thinking about it, but if they're not, I'm always encouraging them, like, you you know, customers are going to be expecting this, you know, the pandemic has, has only accelerated this digital adoption and, and customers like it that, that have been forced to adopt it. And so it's, it's not going anywhere from our perspective whether they're looking to apply for a, a retail banking product or they're looking to buy something online, these tools and these products are not going to go away when the pandemic hopefully does soon. And so for those that aren't prioritizing and the need to catch up, Amount is a great opportunity to them to get digital you know, live for their customers again in, in months in, in and not years.
0: Well, and also you brought up a major point that, that resonated with me. I was in China about a year ago, a year and a month ago. And, you know, the biggest players in, in mainland China are those financial institutions that have really used alternative data and alternative credit solutions to drive the marketplace and to reach those previously unreachable consumers those with maybe no credit bureau but but have been paying rent and utilities for 20 years and those individuals that may have a lower credit score but building using data to build better solutions that really are, are not any more risky but this expands the marketplace quite a bit from the standpoint of a traditional financial institution they can reach a lot more of these younger consumers that they're having a hard time meet, reaching right now correct
1: Oh no no question uh, whether or not you're talking about on the marketing side just really driving more sophisticated prospecting and performance marketing of of targeting the right customer segments at your bank whether it's on the the data side of really understanding who's flowing in you know you think about banks today right like there's prospects we talk to all the time that have multiple core banking relationships that are different from each product that they have at the bank that don't talk to each other, and so it's you know you it's really difficult for those banks to kind of piece together the right picture on on their customer. And amount can really help tie those data insights and analytics together to really provide some really fruitful learnings in terms of who they should be targeting for you know cross sell opportunities and and, and, and up opportunities. And so for me you know, having a digital platform that ties data from the first prospecting marketing campaign through servicing, there is major, major advantages on top of just providing that customer a much better experience. There's significant profitability to be had, there's significant fraud prevention opportunities to be had, as well as just, you know, an MPS score, obviously, that customers really love that, that digital experience if they choose to take it versus going into a branch.
0: So you're knocking on the door of a financial institution. You have a great solution. The financial institution seems to really like your message on what you can do and how you can reach new markets and how you can do it relatively quickly. What is the challenge that you have as a solution provider and meet with the organizations? What, what are the barriers? What are the, the roadblocks that get in the way?
1: We've been doing this for a couple of years and we, we, we're starting to get a ton of credibility in the space and we have experience of really executing with some large banks that have, you know, major bars and requirements around things like information security and compliance, and, and we've become experts on on navigating those discussions and really meeting those bars consistently always for our, for our bank partners. And because of that, we're on the short list for RFPs now for banks that are looking to you know, digitize their retail banking experience or their buy now, pay later solutions. What we still run into is, there's certainly still a predisposition to build these things themselves. And so that's really where it goes back to the speed to market advantage and the affordability advantage that amount can provide. When we're knocking on the door and a bank is looking to digitize personal loans, credit cards, deposit accounts in an omni-channel fashion, meaning their digital banking experience, their phone experience, all their branch networks, you know, amount can do that for you in three months. And if they want to stand up their buy now, pay later tools for their key merchant partners, it's that same timeline. And again, that becomes really compelling when that bank is evaluating that opportunity of a partnership model versus taking that back to their internal IT teams of weighing that that speed to market advantage. Because it is, again, not to be a dead horse, but so critical that banks are improving their digital experience and their capabilities now with all the forced digital adoptions happen over the last couple of months.
0: And our research shows that there's a big difference between offering something digitally and offering in a digital experience. And the biggest challenge is that even most traditional financial institutions have legacy processes and procedures that are really not built for the digital experience. They're not built for speed. They're not built for on-delivery type situations. They're not built in a way that I could access a buy now, pay later option on my mobile phone and get immediate. I mean, you can't hold up a line if you want to make that decision, get immediate decisions as opposed to doing it in the, in the post process where you're saying, oh, I can come back to a consumer and say, I can reset this finance. So I think it gets down to, to digital and, and, and actually it gets down to legacy thinking that you have to change the internal process, which it's a lot easier to bring in a partner that can, that can help you do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, a bank may may argue that they have a digital experience when they have a digital web forum, but they're still driving a customer to the branch. And we would argue that that isn't hitting the mark for what customers are looking for, as well as... You're leaving a lot on the table in terms of the value you could be having in terms of understanding that customer across products in a digital fashion, and so you know that's there's always a period of discovery when you're you're talking to a new bank, but pretty quickly the light bulb goes on in terms of what something like an amount platform could do for a bank in terms of unlocking not only that digital experience but also. Uh, again, just customer engagement with that particular institution.
0: Yeah, I, I, As people know on the podcast know I call it faking digital. You know, it, it's one thing to allow somebody to do something digitally; it's another thing to do it in a, in a way that digital experience that replicates Netflix and Amazon and you know the uh, Zoom and everyone else. So definitely, what are the regulatory issues that are right now facing the buy now pay later marketplace?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's still TBD. I, I think it's um, overall, you know, it's an, it's a newer product. Uh, customers love the product and their view is that it's much more transparent in terms of monthly payment and the ultimate total cost of of credit for those products and so typically that's a great sign when you're making it really easy for the customer to understand what they're going to be paying for a particular purchase but i you know with any kind of new financing product that's growing rapidly it's going to take the regulators some time to really understand that product and But I would expect, again, just driven by the NPS scores around that product and the rapid adoption, your expectation is it's going to continue to grow based on the the high satisfaction rates that customers are giving it.
0: So could we see an expanded play by the big tech players in the near future? Couldn't Amazon, Google, and even Apple become bigger players than they already are in this kind of field?
1: Yeah, I think you're already seeing it, right? Again, driven by the consumer that, and again, I think credit cards is, is going to continue to be a a massive, massive dominant player uh, for for some time, but there's no denying that customers like this product. They like flexible options when when choosing how to pay for a particular product. And for major tech companies like Apple, like Amazon, you you already see them looking at giving that customer a choice when making that digital purchase. And so, yes, you're gonna see buy now, pay later, continue to be, I would expect, a big part of major tech companies' plans.
0: I should have put PayPal in there as well, because obviously they were the first to be able to quickly pivot. And make it so that whatever you're buying on PayPal, they'll allow you to extend the payment options and change your payment options. And, you know, they're a player that anywhere in the marketplace, they're they're a, they're a huge force. So,
1: yeah, customers want choice, right? Customers want choice in terms of their experience, whether they want to go into a physical store or branch or buy it online. And they want choice in terms of how they want to pay for things. And so to me, that's a good thing, right? When you're giving customer more choice and more transparency in terms of affordability and cost, that's ultimately going to be a good thing. And so, you know, as we see customers get more comfortable with the product, we're going to see more merchants and more companies stand it up.
0: So as customers get more comfortable using mobile payments and embedded payments, does this potentially further erode the use or the need for legacy financial institutions if those institutions don't get into the mix and actually provide this kind of solution?
1: I think it's going to be important for banks to continue to provide their their merchant partners these kind of competitive products we touched on a little bit but you're already seeing the banks moats erode a little bit around merchant relationships as new fintech companies come in and, and try to compete directly for those relationships and so that's really woken up banks especially again in that prime space that they need to have a really competitive suite of financing products to retain their most attractive merchant partners that are looking to give their, their customers options. And so my expectation here is that every single bank competing in this space is gonna have multiple options in addition to their credit card offering to make sure that they're retaining and attracting merchant relationships.
0: So finally, you serve financial just in a number of ways, both in the payment and non-payment space, using data and analytics to, to drive the experience. What do you see as the biggest threat to traditional financial institutions today and, and going forward?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, um, this didn't just happen because of the pandemic, right? This is a acceleration in digital that we've been seeing for some time. You think about Goldman Sachs launching Marcus a couple years ago. That certainly got our phones buzzing from banks. You think about all the challenger banks out there, the chimes of the world. And then on the buy, not pay later side, you know, obviously a firm and, and companies like Klarna are having a ton of success. And so that is really forcing, you know, more traditional banks and institutions to really up their game. And so, you know, I think most banks have awoken to that reality and are adjusting properly with prioritizing digital and and sending up these kind of experiences and products. For banks that don't do that, you know, consumers are just gonna go in a different direction would be my expectation. They're gonna to go to a, a bank that has those digital capabilities, those products that they are expecting via their mobile phone, uh, or they're gonna to go to one of these challenger banks that are you know, competing for that same customer. And so I think digital is gonna be really interesting here in the next couple of years to see you know who is making those investments now. Everyone's thinking about, but who's actually doing it? And who's hitting the mark for customers? And amount thinks that it can be a great resource to bank to make sure that they're rolling out those best-in-class experiences and products for their customers to ultimately retain their business.
0: That's well said, because I think that, you know, I say a lot of times, change has never gone this fast and never going to go this slowly again. And, and you mentioned it too, that it's not like organizations don't know what the problem is. They don't even not know what the solution probably is. The challenge is actually doing it. And that gets down to, legacy leadership and culture, the need to really rethink what financial services is in a digital marketplace where things happen so fast, where the competitive marketplace is so different. I mean, we talked before getting on the line today that, that, you know, 10 years ago, the financial institutions kind of walked away from a lot of the merchant business. And that you know, in hindsight, you walked away from being able to hold all that data where you owned all that information about the consumer. And in hindsight, that's a that's a really risky move. And, you know, your firm and others are, are really giving organizations the opportunity to be a competitive force. It's a matter of whether or not they do it.
1: I just think things are moving quickly. Right. I, I was on a um, of course, a, a digital conference recently where a top five bank CEO who I, I won't give the name but he was giving a, a really interesting example where he had been trying to force DocuSign through as a way to sign forms here for years. And then magically, once the pandemic hit and you literally could not be in person, DocuSign got approved by his vendor oversight committees within, in a matter of days. And so that example is, is happening all across the banking landscape where digital adoption is happening rapidly because we're forced to, right? And so because of that, the banks that can react quickly and hit the mark for customers and for the merchant partners, they're gonna be the winners ultimately.
0: Adam, great to spend some time with you today and and to be able to discuss, you know, not only what your firm is doing, but what the marketplace is doing. And, and, you know, it's a wake up call. We can keep on rattling the cages saying, you know, you you have to do something, but it's those organizations that are gonna really be able to deploy data effectively towards not only payment solutions, but digital solutions that are going to really be the winners. So thanks again, Adam, for being on the show.
1: Great to be here. Big fan. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: What a great engagement with uh, Adam Hughes from Amount, talking not just about buy now, pay later solutions, but also around the whole impact of data analytics and around overall payment solutions. You know, for those institutions that haven't gotten the wake up call that we need to provide digital solutions, not just digital products or products on digital platforms. This was a great show just to take stock in and realize there are solutions out there where traditional financial institutions can be players in these brand new fields. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Raise a top five banking podcast. I generally appreciate the support you have provided since we started this endeavor. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe to Banking Transformed on your favorite podcast app. In addition, please take 30 to 45 seconds to show some love in the form of a review. It means the world to me and to my team. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out the research we're doing on digital transformation, the future working with banking, retail banking innovation, and the changing dynamics of financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Will Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroose. Until next time, make everyday a learning experience. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you,